Come on, praise him, church. Praise him. Praise him. Praise him. Oh, hallelujah. You're worthy. You are worthy. You are worthy. And I praise you that, Lord, we love you more than anything else. And we, we, we know and we see dimly, but it gets brighter. It's in your image we're being transformed into. And, Lord, we come before you in Jesus, our intercessor, our high priest. We come tonight before you. We need your grace. We need your Holy Spirit to help us to be like you in every area. As we study your word and we read your word. What's impossible with men and ourselves is possible with you. And we take the challenge of your word. And we search our hearts. And Lord, we're going to go to Matthew chapter 5. We're almost through with Matthew chapter 5. It's amazing the things you get into as we've been studying. It's so good to have our brother from Kansas, truck driver, just every month gets to come through here. It's so good to have him tonight. And uh, discipleship, to be like Jesus, to live the disciplined walk. And I want you to see, as we've been studying, of course, in Matthew 5, I want you just to see where it says in verse 29. Ooh. That's pretty good about the fountain. I'm in Mark 5. What is the stuff you just open up and it's all good? It's all good. But it says here, if, if your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it out from you. For it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you, for it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish and for your whole body to be cast into hell. And, and I, you know we've already been through this. We're farther than this. But I just wanted to back up to share with you that one of the definitions and instructions I found about that is the right eye and the right hand, according to some rabbis and, 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 and scholars, what they say is your right hand and your right eye is supposed to be the most profitable, useful thing that you possess. How many of you know just hurt your hand and wear a cast and you, you, you end up missing your right hand or wear a patch over your right eye or lose sight in that eye for a while and you miss, you miss that sight? Well, what it's saying here is that your life being pleasing to God needs to be more profitable than anything else. And so if, for example, your computer, your TV is causing you to fall, then your life before Christ should be more precious than having that TV or that computer so you get your sledgehammer to it, that would be the same as plucking your eye or cutting your hand off. So I just wanted to give you that definition that you see the seriousness of what he's talking about here is that the right hand or right eye means anything that's precious that's causing you to fall needs to be gotten rid of so that we walk clear and clean and pure before God. Okay? It's quiet in here. Say hello. Hello. Verse 38, this is where we are tonight. We've studied all these other things. They all have had to do with a heart issue. Here we go with the heart again. Verse 38, you have heard it was said, this is taken out of the law, an eye for an eye and a tooth for the tooth. That, how many you know that's the doctrine of John Wayne? God bless America. <laughs> Shoot them and read over them. 
Man, I love them old westerns. But it says here, but I tell you not to resist an evil person. But whosoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other to him also. If anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, let him have your cloak also. And whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks you. And from him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn away. Once again, we're seeing that Lord is addressing our, our hearts, our thoughts. The message translation says that this deserves another look. If someone takes unfair advantage of you, I love the message. If someone, and this is what it's really meaning here. If someone takes unfair advantage of you, use the occasion to practice the servant life. No more tit for tat stuff. Live generously. And this is really what we're going to see is really saying here. He's not saying do not protect yourself. He's saying do not revenge yourself. If someone comes and they slap you, it's talking about they're insulting you. Don't raise up say, I'm going to get you back. Take the insult. But it does not mean here that you're not to protect yourself or your family. It's not saying that if someone comes and they want to attack your wife or your children, that you just let them do it. It's not saying that. It's saying that you resist the evil. And how many of you know we're going to study about Jesus and we're going to see about his life. And, and the thing about Peter, Peter wanted to cut him up and he tried. He wanted to beat him up. But he saw in Jesus' life that when they came against Jesus and they spat and they mocked and they hit him, he opened out his mouth. So we see that attitude in Jesus. But how many of you know we also know the place where uh, Jesus took a whip and he whipped them fellows up pretty good in the temple. He turned their tables and ruined their business. So you see that there, there's a time and there's an opportunity. This is not talking about laying down and just... In fact, he even says in, in the commentaries that if slapping you will not kill you, but don't let them break your bones. And so in the commentaries, and as I did a study on this, it's, it's very interesting. So we're going to see some things here tonight. Because how many you know, we live in a generation that believes in suing people. And I looked up things today, and there's a lot of people want to sue a lot of things. But you probably heard about this on the news here lately. Where a homer, homer, a homosexual man is suing two major Christian publishers for violating his constitutional rights. This is his complaint. They caused him to be an outcast from his family, contributed to his physical discomfort, and caused periods of being demoralized and live chaos and bewilderment. And what did they do? They published the Bible. The man, Bradley LaShawn, charges the publishers of manipulating the Scripture against homosexuals. As bizarre as this sounds, it is a glimpse of what is to come as judges and policymakers attempt to appease a radical but vocal minority who demand they, they, they will not tolerate the behavior or approve of it or anything that challenges homosexuality that will become a target of their wrath. I love what this author says. The Apostle Paul wrote about the stages of discomfort, but he also told us, to withstand evil and stand. So how many know there is a time to stand? Amen? Amen? There is a time to stand. There is a time to speak up and, 
It doesn't mean that we're to be quiet. We're to speak up and we're getting ready to start speaking up more than ever. Because this is times that the world needs to hear our voice. But we see here the important thing is that we control our heart. Because listen, all these things we've studied about discipleship. Jesus spoke often about our words and our thoughts. And if we can control our mouth, our tongue, our mouth and our thoughts, our heart. We can control lashing out at those who lash out against us. And so that returning evil for evil many times is revenge and retaliation, even through our mouth. And so we see we're studying about the true victory of character. And of course, what Jesus is talking about here is brokenness to self and brokenness to the and learning the control of our tongue and our heart under control. Now, the law said, let's get even. And it's in, it's in our nature. Even as children, did you ever try to get even? I tried to get even. It's in our nature to try to get even, even as children. I remember being six, seven years old, being in the choir, the First Baptist Church there in Evangeline. And the pastor's daughter, Becky, did something to me, got me mad. and I thought I'd get her. So when it came time for choir practice, she went to sit down and I pulled the chair out <laughs> from behind her and she fell on the floor. And Mama Bear got after me. And I climbed under a table. I did everything I could because she had, she had blood in her eyes. But even as a child, you want to get even. Even as adults, it's so easy to get even. You know, someone talks about us and so we want to find some way, you know, saying we want to pray for that person, but we really want to talk about that person. And so there's all type of areas of revenge that we got to see that it, we see now the importance of meekness and the fruit of our spirit. It says in verse 39, it says, But I tell you not to resist an evil person, but whoever slaps you on your right cheek, give him the other also. And so we see here that the word there, to slap you, means a painful, write this down, painful insults. Have you ever gotten a painful insult? Have you ever been told something that hurts you to the very core? This is what Jesus is talking about to his disciples. Listen, they're going to hurt you and hurt you bad. They're going to attack that which is the closest to you. They're going to attack your first love, which is me. And it's going to hurt you and you're going to want to retaliate. Don't leave that to me. They're going to attack your wife. They're going to attack your husband. They're going to attack your children. They're going to attack your best friends. They're going to attack your beliefs. They're going to attack you. They're going to lie all manner of things against you. But don't you get back at them because leave vengeance in my hand, says the Lord. Give them the other cheek. Let them painfully insult you again. But we see here, it says that the rabbis were, and even today, known for being some of the most revengeful people who would not show mercy. And when our, our sister from Israel was here, she told, the example, she told us about this little young boy who was killed by a bomb. And his body was all blown up. Well, she said that that bomb was not sent by the Arabs or the Muslims. That bomb was sent by the local rabbis. And that when you go in those stores in Israel and the rabbis are nice to you in front of you, but when you leave, they curse you because they can't stand. We're Gentiles, we're Protestants. So you you hear these things. And so back then, you know, it was the rabbis who spat and lied about Jesus. And, and you just find even when you get into the spirit of religion, where it's to attack one another, judge one another. And when you get insulted and, and you're attacked and you're, you're, you're doing your best to live the life of Christ and you're doing everything within your way, you're, we're all going to be persecuted. But it says to take it 
And just leave it in the hands of God and don't try to get revenge back. Amen? Now, Peter, he wanted to cut people up and everything else. But look at the transformation of Peter in 1 Peter chapter 2. Look at 1 Peter chapter 2. And I want you to see what Peter ends up writing years later after the Holy Spirit did his work in him. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 21. 1 Peter 2, verse 21. This is the living translation. For God called you to do good, even if it means suffering, just as Christ suffered for you. He is your example and you must follow His steps. He never sinned nor deceived anyone. He did not retaliate when He was insulted, nor threatened revenge when He suffered. He left His case In the hands of God who always judges fairly. Isn't that good? But isn't that hard to live sometimes? Huh? He left his case in God's hands. You know, you might have read about Viktor Frankl uh, who was in a Nazi concentration camp. And it's awesome what he said. He said, they could take everything away from me except one thing. That the attitude with which I choose to respond to the situation. The Nazis could treat me any way they wanted to. But when it came to the way they treated me, I had one thing left that they could not take away. How I was going to respond to them. And if you ever seen Corey Ten Boone in The Hiding Place, you could see how even when they killed her sister and the things she went through, her sister would still say, I love you. And so, so that's some powerful things to study there. Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. Romans 12, verse 19. Romans 12, 19. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in doing so, you heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. Amen. Now, how many of you know we're supposed to be Christ-like? Any animal will strike back when it's striked at. But how many of you know that we as believers, when we're striked at, we have to learn to forgive? Now, I came across this story of Billy Bray, who was a miner. In his younger days, he was a prize fighter. And before his conversion, Billy Bray was a prize fighter, a very good one. With one blow, he could have knocked his attacker down because one of the men belittled him and mocked him. Billy Bray looked at him and said, May God forgive you even as I forgive you. The man was so tortured and convicted by the kindness and gentleness of Billy Bray that he sought his pardon and graciously converted and become one of his closest followers. Isn't it something that being able to forgive somebody, tell somebody, I forgive you, or when they come at you, to better just smile and say, I love them by faith and just bless them. And they end up, end up becoming one of your best friends or one of your best followers. And this guy was a, you know, he had attitude because any prize fighter would. Can you imagine Mike Tyson? Or, you know, Muhammad Ali, was, didn't he have a sweet spirit? And here's a prize fighter and he's doing the mining work. And this guy hits him and tells him something and he ends up saying, may God forgive you even as I forgive you. 
Somebody wrote, it's the mark of the deepest and truest humility to see ourselves condemned without cause, to be silent under it. To be silent under insult and wrong is a noble imitation of our Lord, such as a person becomes a partner with God. Amen. How many wants that in their life? Lord, thank you for the grace to do it. Now, verse 40, I want to get to this right quick. talks about the lawsuit without justification. Now, the word cloak means it was used as a robe in the day or a blanket at night. And according to Exodus 20, uh, 2, verse 26 and 27, it had to be returned at night. But I want you to look with me in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And I want to see what it says here in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1. This is interesting. Because how many know there's a lot of suits going on? And uh, I'm going to get to something in a minute. Because the first thing people are going to say, well, you know, we're not supposed to sue for our rights. Well, how many you know, I believe that... God loves justice. I believe God loves justice. And I do not feel that there is anything wrong for a mother bringing her children's daddy to court to get child support. Because that man who does not support his family is worse than an infidel. So I believe that when you say, well, we're not supposed to bring anybody to, to court. Well, I believe that justice needs to be done. Especially when it comes to children and, and, and need to be taken care of. And some people may have a problem with that. You know, I, I don't know. But I do know that we, we have to ask God. And I'm going to give you a scripture in a few minutes about wisdom in these things. Now, I believe that poor, one of the problems with our country is people are just suing about anything and everything. I mean, the, there's this guy suing the military now because there's too many Christians in the military. And that it's, it, you know, it's against his rights. And there's just so many people wanting to sue about, you know, it's just gotten ridiculous. And, and also, I want you to read here that it says a Christian shouldn't be trying to take someone to court. He shouldn't be trying to take them before the elders or before believers. I want you to see this here in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1. This is the Living Bible, so just listen. When one of you has a dispute with another believer... How dare you file a lawsuit and ask a secular court to decide the matter instead of taking it to other believers? The Bible talks a lot about asking, getting godly counsel. Now, isn't it something that many times what Christians do? They go straight to a lawyer before going to a pastor or going before the leaders in church or fellow believers. We're so quick going to court. And this is real clear in the Word of God. It says, how dare we? How can we take other believers to court and we go to a secular court without seeking godly counsel? Now jump down to verse 7. It says, even to have such lawsuits with one another is a defeat for you. Now listen to what he's saying here. Even to have such lawsuits with one another is a defeat for you. Why not just accept the injustice and leave it at that? Why not let yourselves be cheated? Instead, you yourselves are the ones who do wrong and cheat even your fellow believers. Now, why is it saying about that? It talks about letting God fight your battles. And, you know, I thought about the coat situation. Isn't it something that sometimes people go to court and you're going to you're suing over something that might cost five hundred dollars, but it's going to cost you fifteen hundred dollars just to talk to the lawyer. But I won. 
yeah, you paid a thousand dollars more than what the thing cost, but you won. And the thing I believe, you know, I believe we have to walk in wisdom. We have to be careful about a lot of these different situations, because what I have seen with uh, even the world calls it the curse of the lottery. And it may not be in every situation, but even the world, they had a program on the TV the other day about how people who win the lottery end up losing the money so fast and going through it and end up being more miserable and without more at the end than they were before they won all that money. Well, what I have seen a lot of times with lawsuits is believers don't always come out on top. It's just like the scripture says, many times it ends up hurting and being defeated. Instead of winning. Yeah, we might win our case. But who wants to live with a grieved spirit when the Holy Spirit was saying the whole time, leave it in my hands. Better to lose it than to fight it and fight it without me. I believe we have to walk in our convictions. I believe we have to walk with the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. Now, this wouldn't be a this is not a very popular message. And I'm. This is, I'm probably not going to sell very many CDs of this, but it, it's, it's still the word. It's still the word. And, and we, we really, I don't see very many believers who have sued really winning anything at the end, even though they do end up getting something. Now, I'm not saying there's not a place to sue that's, I believe you have to seek God and you have to walk according to the, the mind of the Spirit. I believe each and every one has to seek the mind of the Spirit. I'm not telling you not to, but reading the Word, I believe it needs to slow us down and get the mind of the Lord and walk with the mind of the Spirit so we're not so quick in doing things just because it's the world's way of doing it. It's the world's system. Because I get letters all the time. Dear Chevrolet owners, would you mind getting on this lawsuit? No, I won't. Did you ever use this medicine? Do you want to sue? No, I don't. All this time, there are always, all these lawsuits going on. It's all these get-rich schemes. And it reminds me what it says in Proverbs. And I believe suing fits in with this in, in most instances. You get the money, you win the case, it makes wings and it flies away. How quickly does riches fly away? So, so I believe that in this life of discipleship, we have to be real careful about doing things the world's ways, it says in 1 Corinthians, and doing things the, uh, the cross's way. I want to read to you about uh, many years ago, a vagrant man named Lee seized a small piece of ground belonging to a Chinese pastor in order to make a vegetable garden for himself. The pastor prayed about the affair for three days and after which the Holy Spirit led him to see that he should have no quarrels with worldly people. So he presented the man with a parcel of ground, took the deed of the property to the man's house and in the presence of witnesses legally signed it over to this man. Later the Reds or the communists occupied that area working secretly Lee was made a commander-in-chief in the surrounding countryside. And the local officials who did not make their escape were to be killed. And the pastor felt that he was no exception since he served as a ward, a ward magistrate for the country's government. Commander Lee gave the secret orders that the pastor was not to be molested in, in, by anyone passing his house and was to go quietly so as not to alarm him, for he was a righteous man. 
The pastor said, if I had gone to the law when he seized my land, it is certain that not only I, but my whole family would have perished. I, being able to have the mind of Christ, was spared the calamity that would have resulted from seeking vengeance. But isn't that so hard? But who really wins? The Holy Spirit's way is what really wins. Now, in chapter 5, verse 41, it says, If they ask you to go one mile, go two miles. Of course, we know the uh, Simon of Siren had to carry the cross for Jesus. And it talks about going the extra mile without bitterness and resentment in our hearts. Without resentment and bitterness in our hearts. If he asks you to go one mile, go two miles. But it's not about going physically. It's about the, the, uh, the, what we really feel in our hearts. Oh, I'll help you, but I don't want to help you. Oh, I'll go. Pastor says we got to cook for them people or go help clean their yard or their house. Sister Kay's calling us to go clean up somebody's yard again. Oh, I'll do it, but I tell you what, I sure somebody, I wish somebody, when is somebody going to clean my yard? And God says, you just stay home and clean your own yard because you're not going to reap anything for cleaning that yard with that type of attitude. Everything keeps going back towards the heart, towards the heart, towards the heart. Towards the heart. Oh, I gotta sing in church tonight. Oh, I gotta play in church tonight. Oh, I gotta go those kids. I've already got a migraine and I gotta teach those kids it's Sunday morning. Lord says, well, don't teach. Watch the heart. Serve out of the best of your heart. Now go back to First Peter and look what Peter says here. First Peter chapter 2, because everybody talks about, you know, they love Peter. They can identify with Peter. Yeah, you can identify with the old Peter, but Peter didn't stay the old Peter. Peter became a new Peter. He came like Jesus. And it says in First Peter chapter 2, verse 17. Listen to him now. Honor all people. Love the brotherhood. Fear God and honor the king. Do you know what king he was talking about? Nero. The same one that had him crucified upside down. The same one that was doing all these different things. He says, honor the king. Servants, be submissive to your masters with all fear. Not only to the good and gentle. Listen, not only to the good and gentle ones, but also to the harsh and the mean ones. For this is commendable of honor. If because of conscience towards God, one endures grief. Suffering wrongly. Wow. For what credit is it if when you are beaten for your faults, you take it patiently? But when you do good and suffer, if you, t- if, if you take it patiently, this is honorable before God. For to this you were called because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow in his steps who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth. Boy, that's powerful. Lord, give us the grace to love, to forgive, to release. Here's a poem written by an unknown person. Uh, well, they were known, but they don't know who the author was. Listen to this poem. Just to be friendly to those I dislike. Just to act kindly when others may strike. Just to be busy when things are right. This is my duty to Him. Just to dry somebody's tears away. Just to make brighter the world of today. Just to strew flowers along life's pathway. That's my duty to Him. 
Just to let Jesus have perfect control. Just to know daily His grace makes me whole. Just to have heavenly grace in my soul. This is my duty to Him. Just to be faithful in things that are small. Just to walk steadily where others may fall. Just to be willing if Jesus should call. This is my duty to Him. Amen. So it talks here about give to Him who asks. And, and, and we read that in, in ver, there uh, in verse uh, 42, verse 5. It talks about giving to those who ask not to harden your heart to the needs. How many of you know that many times somebody's done us wrong and we find out they're in need? And instead of going, oh, let me see what I can get for them, we may think, well, they just deserve that. And Jesus says, teaching us here to be generous and to be given, even those who might have treated us harmful, to be ready to give to them, even though they might, even, we, we may be giving them something they took unwrongfully from us, but to help them out. Some of the testimonies I've heard is of ex-husbands or ex-wives end up helping their ex-mate with their children out of their own goodness when that woman or that man might have took their mate away from them. And here they are helping them anyway. Now, that's the love of Christ. That's the grace of God. Amen. So this is where I want to go right quick as we end. Psalms 112, verse 5. I want to give this as, I believe, something for you to keep in your notes to pray for wisdom. If you ever are attacked or you feel like getting even or you feel like suing or whatever the case may be, these are things to help pray. And I was going to read a whole bunch of other things from this Matthew Henry commentary, but there's no time. So if you have Matthew Henry commentary, you can read it when you get home. And they've got some amazing stuff in there about these few verses. But I want to read something to you in Psalms 112, verse 5. A good man deals graciously and lends. Now look at this next part. He will guide his affairs with discretion. He will conduct his affairs with justice. When somebody's asking you for something, or somebody may be suing you for something, and, and, and it's hard to go through it, that's where we need to ask one another to stand with us and pray with us when we may be under some type of attack. But it says, guide your affairs with justice and discretion. Lord, give me wisdom how to walk through this. Lord, give me your grace to love and forgive. And Lord, help me keep a good attitude that could even end up winning the favor of the judges, of the lawyers, and even end up winning the favor of the people who are trying to sue you. And use justice. And, and like I said, sometimes it would be easier just to give them what they want instead of fighting them over it, ended up winning or maybe end up losing. So we've got to be careful not to be revengeful, to protect ourselves, but not to be revengeful, revengeful and not to bear a grudge. Look with me in Proverbs chapter 20, verse 22. Proverbs 20, verse 22. Listen to the promises of God. There, it says this a number of times in the New Testament, but just let me give you these two right here. Do not say, I will recompense evil. Or the Amplified says, I will not repay evil. Wait for the Lord and He will save you. Amen? Make that note in your notes. Wait for the Lord and He will save you. Now just jump over to chapter 24. 
Verse 29, let me give you another scripture here. 24 verse 29. Do not say, I will do to him just as he has done to me. I will render to the man according to his work. It says, don't say that. It's not for you to render to somebody what they've done to you. Not to pay him back. Don't say, I'm going to do to him just what he's done to me. I'm going to do to her what she's done to me. Well, she's given me the... How many know even in marriage, she's given me the cold shoulder, I'm going to give her the cold shoulder. Or a friend, or a boss, or whatever. How many know many times, well, I tell you what, I'm going to get promoted, I'm going to become his boss, and then what he's done to me all this time, I'm going to make sure I'll give it right back to him. That's okay. I'm, your day's coming. Don't ever pray for somebody's day to come. Because your day may just keep coming. That's what it's saying here. We don't want that, do we? Hallelujah. Look at me, Colossians chapter 4. I'll just give you two more scriptures. Colossians chapter 4. I try to end this right at 8 o'clock and I'm already past, ain't I? Colossians 4 verse 5. I need to hear this. It says, write this down. This is interesting, church. Walk in wisdom toward those who are outside. Live wisely among those who are not believers. Redeeming the time or making the most of every opportunity, the Living Bible says. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. Walk with wisdom towards those who are not believers. How to answer them. Not to get revenge, not to want revenge. Sometimes it's so hard that people that we may work with or, 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 or our neighbors or whatever the case may be. It may be so difficult, even with family members. But it's saying here that just because they're not Christians don't mean you treat them any differently than you would a Christian. The way you treat one another in word of grace, it says about us being salt of the earth. Can you believe that... The way everybody was hugging a while ago when we say hug a neck, shake a hand. Can you imagine that if everybody would act that way at work? But we have the attitude, you know what, I don't have to. It's just work and they're a bunch of heathens. Paul says, you do not act like that with the unbelievers. But they're just a bunch of believers going to hell. You walk wise and make every opportunity to speak in a good spirit and represent Christ to them no matter who they are. If you treat them like believers, they just may become a believer. If you love them like somebody in the church and if you forgive them like you forgive somebody in the church, they might just end up being part of the church. If you treat them like Christ wants us to treat them, they'll guess what church they'll want to visit when they start going to church? Where you go. And guess who they're going to want to sit with? Hey, welcome today. How you doing? I'm doing great. Well, well, this is your first time? Yeah, I'm here. I'm looking for Brother Chris LaRue. 
Well, he sits on the fifth row. Well, I want to go sit with him. Oh, you know, Chris, man, that is an awesome man. Never hear anger, never hear a foul word come out of his mouth. I, 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 I want to sit with him. I don't know if I know anybody else, but I want to sit with him. That's being a fisher of men. Am I saying it's easy? No. I'm saying it's death. I'm talking about death to ourselves. Death to our emotion. Death, Americans, to our rights. Well, you don't have any right to talk to me that way. I quit. Isn't it amazing how many times the Lord says, I ain't telling you to quit. And people come up, Pastor, pray for me another job. Hmm. I don't know if I'm going to pray for you another job or not. Maybe God wants you there for somebody special. Well, they're not special to me. Well, you're going to be at that job a long time just by hearing what's coming out of your mouth. <laughs> Hebrews 13, 16 says, But do not forget to do good and to share for with such sacrifices the Lord is well pleased. Let's stand up. Hallelujah, please. Hallelujah.